Over the last few weeks, our discussions have revolved around the complex crime issue. Amid these conversations, an underlying theme has emerged, one that cannot be overlooked. Whether in education, finances, or even resources, two totally different experiences are happening simultaneously in our country. It would be completely ignorant to deny the existence of a wealth gap in our country, a gap that, while not excusing criminal behavior, highlights the reality that many criminals come from disenfranchised communities. Welcome to On The Record, I'm your host Jerome Sawyer. Our recent episodes have peeled back the layers of this issue, revealing a common thread among those in the hardest hit areas. They're searching for help, respect, security, safety, essentials that we all associate with the concept of community. So we're taking a step back from the headlines to focus on solutions, hope and action tonight we sit down with leaders from various community organizations who are at the forefront combating crime through charity, outreach, and empowerment. We unpack what community action looks like, exploring the innovative ways these organizations are making a difference, and discuss how each of us can play a part in this vital work. The theme of tonight's episode is a powerful reminder that Charity work is not just the responsibility of a select few. It is indeed all of our work. You're watching On The Record. Our conversation begins on the other side of this break. This is On The Record. To kick off our discussion, we're joined by two remarkable guests on the front lines of providing essential support to those in need within our communities. We have Bishop Walter Hanschel, the leader of Great Commission Ministries, an organization renowned for its tireless efforts in feeding, clothing, and providing spiritual guidance to the less fortunate. Alongside Bishop Hanschel, we're honored to have Kim Thurston, first vice president of the Bahamas Red Cross. The Bahamas Red Cross, of course, has been instrumental in not only providing disaster relief and training, but also in everyday efforts to clothe and feed those facing hardships. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank, Thank you, you, Jerome. Mr. Panchal, I, I, it's good to see you. I know you had some health challenges previously, but uh, you do here and looking well and uh, God is good. We're happy to ha still have you with us and looking so well. Amen, I'm back from the dead. And I'm so grateful to be alive. And I want to thank all those who prayed for me and let you know that God is good. He had mercy. His grace is on my life. His favor is on my life. And I am here to serve some more. God and is he, good. Listen, he, I keep you here to do this good work. Amen. <laughs> all right. So, Bishop, Amen. we're going to really start with you. 
Uh, we talked a little bit in the introduction about what Great Commission does, but as you, as your organization has been around and is and is moving through the community, I want you to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've seen the need grow. Um, I know that you started so many years ago, but how have you seen the needs of the people grow within the community? Well, first of all, Jerome, um, you stated that Great Commission is about feeding, and that is one of our primary tasks. You didn't mention the fact that we are the only organization in the Bahamas that not just feed, but we shelter men, women, and children who find themselves without a bed, without a a place to lay their head at night. We, I believe we're the only organization since 1987 that, that houses, that accommodates homeless people. We've been doing this for years. We have, we've, had, we've, we've operated seven shelters. Seven? Seven shelters. And um, we're in the process right now of building, constructing a 100-bed state-of-the-art shelter on Carmichael Road that I've will, seen, that will make a sign, big yeah. difference in homelessness. Homelessness is a major problem in the country that is not being addressed, not being talked about, but every single day. Uh, a week never goes by without, without us having to help mothers who find themselves um, evicted, um, living in derelict um, vehicles, living in abandoned homes, living on the beach, and we have to rescue them and put them in a bed with and their children. I was supposed to say, and these women have children, children. with them. Yep. We, we deal with it on a daily basis. How much have you seen it grow uh, in the time? You mentioned seven shelters. Like that, that was an eye-opener for me, but you've seen the problem grow over these many years. Yes, it has. I guess for the last um, six, seven years, we've, been, we've seen a huge escalation, and we've been warning our officials about it. We've been telling them what to do. We've been writing to the powers that be, and um, it's like... It's falling on deaf ears, and, and the, the situation like it is. keeps getting worse. Yeah. And if you look on our streets, and I'm not talking about the people who live in, in apartments and homes who, who find themselves homeless. I'm talking about we also have a problem with, with mentally challenged persons walking the streets. They're homeless, walking the streets every single day, and they are ignored. They are rejected. Nobody is dealing with them. They have mental challenges. We need that to be addressed. I've been... I've been begging people to, to deal with it, but it's not happening. So I guess somebody's going to have to just find a way to, to build a home, to rescue these people, to get a psychologist there, get a nurse there, and get some staff there and take care of these people. These are human beings. We cannot allow our people to live like this and do nothing about it. Yeah, I'll come back to you. Kim, you represent the Bahamas Red Cross, an organization that has been around for a long time, um, but yet despite all the work that you all have done over the decades, the needs seem to be even greater now. Yes, Jerome, it's greater now. Um, having experienced us just coming through COVID, we are seeing people at the Bahamas Red Cross that we have never seen before. So there's an increase in services at the Red Cross on a daily basis. There's a need for food, there's a need for shelter, there's a need for clothing, and this number is growing. As a matter of fact, we have a waiting list what? A waiting list on persons that need assistance on a daily basis from the Bahamas Red Cross. Either of you able to really see what has, what is at the root of all of this? Are we just now, uh, are we in a situation where 
um, the, the, the poor among us are just growing exponentially? Or have we left our people behind in the economic success of our country? To be brief, right to the point, the country is in bad shape as it relates to the poor. I do not see how Bahamians could survive and live in this country. The cost of living is far too high. The, the cost of living has created poverty, the high cost of living. And um, people go into the food stores and they come up with just a small parcel of, of food and it's so high, so costly. The um, rental income has gone up, skyrocketed, skyrocketed and um, clothing, services, everything is too high. And um, that has created an atmosphere for crime and poverty. We have literally created that. And unless we address, we go right to the root problem. The, 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 all this crime, if the crime situation is to go down, we're gonna have to deal with the people. I had a young man came to me, he's a carpenter, and he said to me, he hasn't worked in three months, he has four children, and, this, and his daughter came to him the night before and said, Daddy, there's no food. My, my stomach is hurting. I'm hungry. And he said, there was no food in this house. You know what he told me? He said, I don't want to hurt anybody. His words. I don't want to hurt anybody. Meaning, if you don't find some food, take it to feed his children. He's going to rob somebody. He's going to hurt somebody. But he's going to take care of his children. We have so many families, so many men in that very same predicament right now. And do you see those, you are and hear those same stories at the Red Cross? Every day. Every day. We have a Wheels on Meals program where we assist the most vulnerable among us. So the Bahamas Red Cross is responsible for feeding one meal a day, over 200 plus persons per day. You may have a home where you have the grandmother gets the meal. But when you deliver to that home, you have the grandmother, you have the grandchildren, you have parents not working. And so that meal is not only to feed the grandmother, but that one meal may be to feed 10 people in a home. So Grammy food has to share. Yes. And so you could imagine whatever goes wrong in this country, one of the first person, places people call or come is the Bahamas Red Cross. And we are brother's keeper at the Bahamas Red Cross, so we turn nobody away. But yet, a few months ago, there was a report that donations are down. Donations are down. And so we are appealing right now. We have an innovative president. And um, we're in discussions trying to find ways to grow the operating budget for the Bahamas Red Cross in order to meet the needs and the continuous demand placed on the Red Cross on a daily basis. Bishop Ansel, I pass Great Commission all the time. There are always people out there waiting. I delivered, my family delivered some food there for Christmas. We had some access from an event and it broke my heart to see the people wait. We went there that morning and people were sitting there waiting. I going to say, Mrs. Oye, what you bring? They're waiting. Well, what happens is that we serve lunch, uh, we serve a hot meal. And I am convinced that we have the best food in the country. <laughs> we serve a hot meal Night every day. <laughs> and we have uh, lunch starts at 1 o'clock. But from 10 o'clock, people start lining up. I know, and I've we, seen them. And, and we have six, five to 600 persons every single day. Good Lord. 
come to Great Commission, they get a hot meal, and many, a lot, a lot come just to get a bag of grocery. That is what we do. That's what, that's what God called us to do. And we have to find the food. I want to thank all of our donors, people who, who reach out and help us, because we can't do it alone. We are, right now, we need, we need about 50 volunteers to help us to deal with that crowd and to do some other things. And, um, but we found over the years that it's difficult to find and consistent volunteers and committed volunteers. But I hope we can get about 50 who could help um, lift the load and, and, and help ease the burden that we are carrying with so many persons um, that we minister to every single day. God is good. We, God is faithful. And this, we continue to do what God called us to do. But it's not easy. I grew up in the Bahamas as a 50-year-old man now, 52. Grew up in the Bahamas where there was always a level of poverty. But I now see a community where children are on the light, trying to sell fruits. You come out of an ATM and somebody is stationed there. You come out of, you go in the food store yep. and people are there. You on the light and people are knocking on your car window. Children with sponsorship sheets and this is in the Bahamas. I grew up in. I, I grew up in the Bahamas where the I'm not taking where you know the church helped the poor and it was it seemed almost manageable, but we seem to have an explosion. Yeah, we have a we have we have we have evolved into a, a nation of beggars. They all over the place, and um, we need to find a way to fix that, Jerome. We have some deep rooted problems, deep rooted social problems, and not only that. The people are so angry. The, even, even the drivers on the street, because you know, you know, it's people are going through so much hardship and suffering in this country. If we don't fix it, we're going to continue to see the chaos, the lawlessness, the confusion that we're experiencing right now. We need. See, everybody got to. I, I can't blame anybody for this problem. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we must all, as a nation, take responsibility. The church. The community, the family, the, the government, we all are responsible. But we all need to, need to unite and come up with a, with a, with a problem that could resolve all the, these, ma these major social problems that is causing so much pain and wreaking havoc in our families and throughout the nation. When these folks walk through your doors, come at the Red Cross or you go out to feed them, it's more than food. Yeah, it's more than food. You have to be a counselor. You have to be a great listener. Um, you have to be there for these persons. People are hurting Jerome in this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people see the Bahamas Red Cross as being effective only when there's a disaster. But trust me, we are here every day. You know, they see a hurricane and they think that's all the Bahamas Red Cross does. And, and where are the money we've given you all year long? You right. know, that's what, the first question. Doing, what are you yeah. doing with it? But it's not only, like I said, the feeding program. We provide um, training. You want to do after-school care. Um, we want to venture into getting a home where we can help homeless persons as well. So that's something that's high on our agenda. But, of course, all these things and to run all these programs call for money. Thankfully, we have a huge base of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bahamas Red Cross is built on its volunteers. So we want to thank them. And so we have these persons that volunteer every day at the Bahamas Red Cross. We have a small staff at the Red Cross. But the staff that has to be paid. That has to be paid, yeah. but everything else is, you know, the jobs are volunteer, people wow. volunteer. And so we have to be here for the Bahamas at large. And the Bahamas Red Cross is not just Nassau. 
It's reaching out to all these family islands as well. We're still helping people in Upper Coast, still helping people in Grand Bahama. Bishop, let me come to you now. What level um, does education play in where we find ourselves? A lot of people that I've spoken to say that we have, our educational system has fallen down and our, our people are not employable in some, in some instances. They don't know how to deal with conflicts. They're angry. They can't reason and rationalize and, you know, make bad decisions. Have we also failed to properly educate our people over the years? Yes, that's been a, a major downfall. The fact that um, so many persons are unemployable. The people that we minister to every day, um, people say, well, why, how, why would you take care of these um, quote-unquote healthy people? Mm -hmm. The fact is, these people... I wouldn't hire some of them because they, they have very bad work ethics. And um, I, I know some of the business people that I know wouldn't hire them. So what does that mean? That means these same people that are unemployable has to eat. That's the bottom line. They must have somewhere to lay their heads. In addition to that, we have a working population. I believe we have about 50% of the working population that, that I, I call them the working poor. Mm -hmm. Because even though they're working, they have a job, mm -hmm. their, their expenses are higher than their income, and they end up in the red every single month. So halfway through the month, they're already broke. They're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. They're getting money from this way, from this one. Then when the end of the month comes, they're trying to pay it back, or they're paying these bunch of loans off at the bank. So, so we need management. We need training. We need, um, we need people to be able to know how to handle their resources properly. We got, in addition to that, the Bahamas has some deep-rooted spiritual problems. Deep-rooted. And the church has to, has, has to address these. We have some churches that are doing a great job, yeah. wonderful job. We have others that are doing nothing but holding services. We have to go deeper than that. If, if the church be the church, we could change this Bahamas in two years. Can I see you shaking your head? I agree. I agree, it's a holistic problem. So we all have to play our role. And I agree with Bishop Hanschild with um, the church, because some churches suggest churches, um, they're not reaching out, they don't have outreach programs. Um, people see church sometimes as just the four walls, but it's going beyond the four walls. I, you can have a member in your church hurting right there. They're on the line to the Bahamas Red Cross Monday morning. But sometimes, you know, we have to have our pride you know, so some people are proud. So I may not know you're hurting, mm -hmm. but we need to find a way that we can speak to people um, and understand what's going on in their environment, understand what's going on in their world, and see how we could best meet their needs. One of the things that we've been able to unpack in these shows that we have done in the past three weeks is that a lot of people um, find themselves in a life of crime because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. You alluded to it. I, I don't want to hurt anyone, but I have to feed a family. I'm unemployable, but I need to live. Yes. So if you're not able to take care of yourself in a society, you could turn to take things from some other people. Is that where we find ourselves? I'll tell you some solutions that, that could happen. I believe the government of the Bahamas, whether it's the PLP or the FNM, as long as you hold power, the people should be a priority. 
taking care of the people and the poor in particular should become a priority. It has never been for any administration. It should be a priority. They should find, they could find money for everything else. They could find money for John Canoe, find Speaker. money to travel, find Speaker. money for conferences, all everything. So the people should be a priority. And what should happen is that they should make sure that people are trained, and I thank God for the training centers, and, and some of the government programs are good and are working, but they need to invest more resources, more financial resources, more human resources, more training into the people that are hurting. And then on top of that, they need to, this country doesn't have a, we don't own a shelter. Mm. We, they rent hotels. It is madness. They could, they, the government owns three million acres of land. And we don't have a shelter anywhere in the country. No island has, we don't have a hurricane shelter in this country. We are so... But we're tearing down buildings. <laughs> so <laughs> what has to happen? We need a plan where they can invest into the people. Uh, make sure that everybody's working. Develop some of the family islands so that put into infrastructure that people could move out of Nassau. Nassau is too crowded. Mm -hmm. This is this, this a madhouse so we're living in. Kim, we're just about out of time, so I want to I wanna really end with you. Some people, you know, I always ask is people want to know what they can do. How can they help you know, how can they get involved? You talked about your volunteer program and things like that, but it, this should be an ongoing thing for us, I would think. But, you know, how do people or those who are watching, how can they help? What can we do? They can start. They can reach out to us at the Bahamas Red Cross at 323-7370. They can become a volunteer. They can um, make donations, whether it's charitable, whether you're donating your time. And you can partner with us. We be asking persons, companies um, to partner with us in terms of bringing financial resources. I can make a commitment to the Red Cross to say, you know what, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to send the Red Cross $20 a month. Wow, that's not a lot. That's I'm just saying that because guess what? You spend more on that on lunch in a week. Oh yeah. Okay. So a we, day. So we make that sacrifices. Organizations can get together. We can get together and say, you know, ten dollars a day for lunch. We're not gonna spend that ten dollars today on lunch. We're gonna get together. We're gonna make that donation to the Red Cross because we know that's gonna go a long way to help the most vulnerable among us. Bishop, I know that you always you always in need of help. You talked about ways that people are helping you, and I, I want to commend both of you for the amazing work that you are doing in your organizations. Imagine a Bahamas today without Great Commission, without the Red Cross, without organizations, where would we be? And so the work that you do is so important. You really are helping to keep this country going in so many ways. So thank you. God bless you. All the best to you. And certainly we'll be... Uh, we will agree to have you come on again. And, of course, what Kim didn't say is the Red Cross has wonderful fundraisers as well, the ball, the fair, all those things. I love the fair, by the way. Um, and so, of course, and if you do want to make donations as well um, to, to Great Commission, folks can do that as well. Right? Yes, we have yeah. a program called Live to Give. Mm. And um, <clears throat> that's where persons can give, donate $100 or $200 every month to help us to buy food, to take care of the people. In addition to that, we have just launched a program called Stop and Drop. You're going to see a big sign up at Great Commission. Um, it should be um, posted sometime tomorrow. And um, Stop and Drop, we're going to ask people to 
to, to give drop some grocery into our buckets. Or, or, Just drop or, it in there. Drop it in there or, 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 in. or drop in some money. Yeah, sounds good. So thank you very much, Bishop Hancho. Kim, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Your contributions certainly are appreciated again. We cannot say thank you enough. Stay with us. We're only just beginning our discussion here. You're watching On The Record. We're delighted to welcome our next guest, a leader from a dynamic organization that has quickly become a cornerstone in the battle against food insecurity. Keisha Ellis, the executive director of Hands for Hunger, joins us to discuss the critical work her organization is doing to address not just the symptoms, but the root causes of societal issues. Hands for Hunger prioritizes the most basic human need, food, they are committed to making significant strides in creating safer, healthier, and more hopeful communities. Keisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And we are delighted, as I said, to have you. And I just want to commend you and the organization for the amazing work that you are doing. Uh, we hear about you and we see you, but I think people don't get a full grasp of everything that you do. So very quickly, yes. a spiel on Hands for Hunger and what you all do almost on a daily basis yes, to address some yes, of the societal issues. First of all, thank you, right? Thank you for acknowledging that. We do, we do quite a bit, right? So of course our cornerstone is food rescue or our, our basics is food rescue. So when hotels and restaurants have surplus food that hasn't even gone out to the buffet yet, they give us a call, we come and collect it. And what we can do with that food is share it far and wide across New Providence, right? So we can share that food with organizations that are already feeding, right? And some of the organizations are guests um, here tonight as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the Red Cross, Salvation Army, Great Commission, um, Children's Homes, Drug Rehabilitation Centers. So we're able to provide them with regular food so that they can focus on the other things that they're doing. Why does food, or why is food security so necessary in a community like ours? 300,000 people, we're a village. Yep. Why is this such a huge problem for us? I think that, I think there are a lot of things that go into that. Um, part of the problem is just access to healthy food. You know, I think that for most people, you know, we don't have a famine issue in this country. Certainly, mm -hmm. there are a number of countries that have issues with famine. We don't have that issue, but I think it's the access to food, right? There's food all around us. There are stores and shops, but I think the problem really comes down to, you know, if I had to put it simply, uh, um, an income issue, right? People just cannot afford to buy the healthiest um, options for their family, for their needs. So what have you seen in your work that equates that lack of income, lack of food, and lack of other necessities to the social problems that we are having right now? And I want to narrow it down really to, to crime and violence. Absolutely. I mean, that's a big question, right? And I think that what I've found working in the community is that there are, there are perhaps two, two kinds of people that choose a criminal lifestyle, right? There are those that want to, right? There are those that are attracted to that lifestyle for a number of reasons, right? As, as the old people say, irregardless <laughs> exactly. of what you do. Regardless, they exactly. will choose, right? they will choose I, that I life. I think that's, that's one sure. group. And right? that's in every community. Of course, sure. right? But then there are the people who choose a life of crime because they feel like they have to, 
right? And I think that that's the most worrying group. And those are the, the groups that I think that we can affect with our work at Hands for Hunger. There are people who, who have big dreams, who want to do big things and want to make a positive impact in their community, but they feel like they cannot or they feel like that's not an option for them right now. There are things that have to happen right now. My children need to eat right now. I need to help my mother with her light bill right now. Right? And I think that those are the groups of people that are easily reached or more easily reached. And I think that those are the kind of people who we are able to help by offering food support. What does that food support do for those families, for those individuals who are in need? That food, like we, at Hands for Hunger, we say that food is our foundation. And we sincerely mean that food is the foundation of Hands for Hunger, but it's also the foundation of our community. And you know what? If, if the only thing we do is give that person a little bit of comfort, a little bit of peace of mind, you know, just for the evening, just so that they feel motivated and confident and prepared to deal with tomorrow and to face tomorrow with positivity, then I know that we have done a great deal to help that individual family and the people that they come in contact with. You said something just now that really, you know, captured my attention. When you said, you know, that, that meal could possibly mean a night where they do not feel despair or despondent. Does that lead to sometimes criminal activity and behavior when you feel despair, when you feel, I don't know where the next meal is coming from, I don't know where I'm feeding my children, I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Does that, in your experience, do you find that that really motivates people and moves them into a direction to do something that is antisocial? I think it, it certainly can. And we hear a lot about that because another aspect of our work is our food pantry, right, where we distribute food to families. Right? And people can walk in and say, hey, I don't have enough food to feed my children. Can you help me? And we hear that from them. We hear them say with just such, such gratitude, thank you so much. I did not know what I was going to do. I was feeling really frustrated. I feel inadequate. I feel like my children aren't getting the protection from me that they deserve. And so we hear it all the time that we've provided just really a basic level of comfort and support that makes them feel a little bit motivated. And you know what? It also helps them feel seen. It helps them feel like, hey, I do have a place in this society. Yes, this society welcomes me and appreciates me. And that does something as well to kind of change, change a thought pattern that might have led this person down a, an antisocial path. Does it give them some dignity as well? Oh, absolutely. Dignity is a cornerstone of how we operate, right? And so our pantry itself actually promotes dignity just in and of itself. So when a family walks into our pantry, they can choose the items that they want off of our shelf. So it's not just a hair, take this and go. It is not a hair, take oh, this wow. and go. Okay. And what we find is that um, by offering the choice and dignity and the power to say no, they feel more empowered in other parts of their life. So they say, wait, I don't have to be a victim of my circumstances. I don't have to just go with the flow. I am a fully active um, human. I have choices. My choices matter. And hopefully that mentality can carry through in other decisions that they make. I want to ask you about those of us who do not see that side of life. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are going to work every day, that have steady jobs, that have steady incomes, we're living in our own world, almost in our bubble. Yeah. Are we that disconnected from what is happening out there? I would say that not all of us who appear to be disconnected are disconnected. That is also something that I found. Or do found. we know and don't care? Well, what I found is that there are a lot of people who look just like you and I, who everyone would assume is doing quite well, who, who are actually struggling. Wow. 
So we actually find that quite a bit with the cost of living. You know, you've you've adjusted your lifestyle based on a cost of living, and then things change, and all of a sudden you realize that hey, I have to choose between my light bill and food this month, mm -hmm. right? So or I rent think, and food exactly. So I think that a lot of us really have an appreciation for what um, other members of our society are going through. But I think that even with that being said, many of us perhaps don't realize the the intensity of not knowing where your ne next meal is coming from. This isn't a matter of, I skipped lunch. Oh, I was mm -hmm. so busy today, mm -hmm. I couldn't have lunch. Well, payday's tomorrow, uh, and I'll exactly. hold. I could, I could, I, I could, I, and I know that yeah. is. I, I know, oh, and you say, you know what? I just can't eat, but I, I'm uh, getting paid tomorrow. Uh, I'll make it until exactly. then. Exactly. But when there is no tomorrow. When, when oh, you know tomorrow is going to come and you know that you're just going to be hungrier, right? Because you don't have any options or you feel like you don't have options for food today. And you also know that tomorrow is going to be the same or even worse. And I think that that's the start difference, that it's difficult for people to understand. And rightly so. It's difficult for you to understand if you've never experienced it. But it's really that kind of desperation that can come with not only do I not have options today, but I don't even see an avenue where options can exist later. Your organization is primarily focused on providing meals, food, food security. Mm -hmm. In your work, do you find though that even though you hand that food, you allow those people to come to the pantry, you make those donations, that even though people get that food and they get that meal, there is so much more that they need? Yes. Yes, Jerome. Um, and the reason why I responded like that is because it's easy to sometimes feel like this is not enough, right? As much Hands for Hunger does uh, tremendous work throughout the country, and, we, and every year we increase the amount of people that we can help, the amount of food that we serve. But of course, we often feel like, but it's not enough, right? We we still need to do more. We have not touched. We have not touched enough people, and that's just in terms of food. We also know that the people who come to our pantry, people that help us, need so much more help besides food, right? And it's tempting to try and do it all. It's tempting to mm. say, you know what? We need an after-school program. We need parenting classes. We need anger management classes, and so we're tempted. And so what we've actually done is expanded our pantry to include what we call the empowerment program. So people who are on our pantry program, we have regular sessions at our pantry where we invite them to come and kind of get other tools to help them in other aspects of their life. You mentioned two things off the bat that stood out to me. Parenting, mm -hmm. which a lot of people have identified as a huge deficit in our community, yeah. as well as anger management. Yes. And the two sometimes are connected when you don't have, Absolutely. you know, you don't have a stable home, you you, you feel despondent, you're angry. You of don't course. have that education to get the job, you're angry. So tell me a little bit about the sessions and, and what people are able to get from them. Yeah, so at our empowerment program, people come and we have speakers come in to lead workshops on dealing with these kinds of things. So um, we've had self-care workshops because that's a part of it as well. Right? When you feel like you're in a desperate situation, you feel like you're, you're not even worthy of, of loving yourself. Right? So we've tackled it from that point of view. Wow. Yeah. And, and that leads to you know, making hard decisions. Right? Decisions that are not good for you, your family, or the community. Right? And so we think it's important to start with that. Right? And of course, in our line of work, we know that we need to get food into the of bellies course, of yeah. hungry people. That's primarily but what you we do, yeah. also understand that if we have the space and the, and the ability, we should definitely kind of stop and take a moment to talk about the, the deeper rooted issues that are involved. 
Right, so we lead workshops and we advertise them. Um, they're open to our pantry clients as well as other people who want to come. And we really just try to take some time to sit back and talk about these deeper issues. Wow. You know, people like myself sometimes will wonder, well, what can I do? Yeah. Um, how can I help? I may come, you know, I may come to Paradise Place yes. and enjoy myself and mm -hmm. spend that money to help, or I may go to the Red Cross Ball, or I may give a donation at church for something. Yes. But sometimes I know in my own experience, I feel I want to do more. What can we do? This is our problem, our country. This is at our, this in our front yard. Yes. You know, this isn't somebody else's issue. What can we do? Yes. I mean, the first thing I would say, and I always start with this, the first thing is don't, don't neglect to act when you know you can. Right? And I think that's something we take for granted. We all see those opportunities when they come up to have compassion on someone or to be a little extra kind. Right, so the first thing is don't pass up those opportunities. But thank you for saying that. Because sometimes you second guess yourself, well, should yeah. I? Well, I don't know. But thank right? you for saying that. Don't point. pass up those opportunities. And even that little step. <coughs> right? If, if we all started doing that right now, not passing up opportunities to be kind and compassionate, I mean, I feel like that would be a huge step toward um, dealing with the issues that we're dealing with. Yeah. Right? But I think that in addition to that as well, everything that you said, supporting organizations that are doing the work really is helpful. And I think that um, there are ways that individuals can, of course, help people in their community, and they should do that. Um, but I think that uh, something that perhaps Bahamians don't understand about charity work is that charities can truly make your dollar go further than you can. Right? So a part of what we do at Hands for Hunger is we negotiate discounts with every distributor in the country. Right? So that means that if we go into the shop with $10 in our pocket, we can buy more than you can buy. Right? And I know that you know, Bahamians are kind of funny with that because of all of the, all of the cultural and societal issues, right? But I know you that- have a lot. Right, <laughs> but find an organization whose work you can see. Find an organization who's happy to answer questions and then give your support to them. Right? Because while you can do a lot as an individual, there are organizations that are on the ground every day who can, who can propel the change a bit more um, quickly and a bit further than you can do as individuals. They so, can, they can yeah. take your $10 and Exactly. It. So that's yeah. my advice. Do the good things that you can do as an individual and then go out and look for an organization that you believe in. An organization that's doing education or healthcare or counseling or feeding, whatever it is, whatever find it is. your passion. It doesn't necessarily have to be feeding, but whatever, uh, exactly. whatever is out there, wherever the needs are. Yes. Lisa, thank you so very much. Thank I, again, you. as I started this discussion, I just want to commend you all for the great work that you're doing. This was insightful. I learned a lot. I mean, I know what you do, but I yes. learned a lot. And I hope that people will see this time as an opportunity to get involved. Yes. You know, because that's yes. what we need. All right. So Absolutely. thank you so very thank much you. for sharing your philosophy and talking about Hands for Hunger. Uh, stay with us as we talk to an organization that's partnering with local law enforcement to tackle crime head on. We'll be back right after this break. They come from an organization with a long-standing reputation for its commitment to service and positive global impact. 
Rotary Clubs of the Bahamas. With us tonight are Christian Knowles, president of the East Nassau Club, and Tim Ingram, representing the Road to Peace Committee. The Rotary's motto, Service Above Self, encapsulates the ethos of its countless initiatives to improve lives and foster community development. Christian and Tim, welcome to the show. Rotary really needs no introduction um, because we are all familiar with the magnificent work that you all do um, and have been doing um, for so many decades in this country. But um, I guess I want really um, to talk a little bit about the program um, that, Christian, that you all do um, from the East Nassau Club perspective, some things that you are involved with um, that are positively impacting the community. Well, I mean, the first one I, I, I think I can say is, is one of our longest standing uh, continuous service projects and, and one of our most well-known, we call it the Fox Hill Run. Now, before, before uh, I, everybody thinks that we be going out running in Fox Hill, uh, it's, it's more of a food program. Mm -hmm. uh, we have eight families who we, uh, we have uh, adopted, so to speak, um, and, and once a month on Saturdays, um, we, we go and we give them their toiletries, we give them food, we give them um, other things as well. Sometimes uh, on various different Saturdays, we'll bring them fresh fruit. And these are people that um, you, you, you see and, and know that there's no one else that's really supporting them. That's, that's kind of one of the, the ways we identify the families that we support. Uh, we use the community, we use the churches in the area, and, and we, we make it so that, that these families really don't have other family members supporting them, and uh, a lot of them are, are handicapped. Um, and it's, it's, it's probably one of the most rewarding ones that we do. So that's the first one that come to mind. But there's there's a whole myriad of different things that, that we... That really, one really, really gets in the community, though, yeah. and touches... Yeah. You know, and it's a theme that we obviously have been discussing throughout this show, is the there are so many people, whether they're individuals or families or groups or extended families, who are hurting, that mm -hmm. just yes. do not have access to something as basic as food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, it's, it's a huge problem in our community, obviously. Um, rotary clubs, uh, we have, I think, eight rotary clubs here in... Uh, Nassau, another mm -hmm. two in, in various family islands, there's four in Grand Bahama, and virtually all of the clubs will have some type of feeding program where they go out and assist. And, and sometimes it, it becomes adjacent to other things, so if you're doing a youth program, you understand that a lot of kids will come out and some are coming for the food. If you, um, if you have, make sure you have food there, uh, you're going to get a lot better participation than, than not. Tim, I'm very interested in your road to peace. Um, program and what that is about. So uh, several years ago, we looked around at uh, the crime situation in the country, and we decided that Rotary, with uh, its talents and resources, should get involved in this. Um, the, the Global Rotary Organization has, uh, is on the brink of eradicating polio, um, working with our partner organizations. And so we felt, well, if Rotary can um, eradicate polio from the earth, surely we can make some difference uh, in this country with, with the um, violence situation. And so we started a, a, this group, Road to Peace. Um, it comprises members from all of our clubs. Um, and we've come up with several programs that uh, we, we've run over the years. Um, some of them we are looking to have the government adopt them because we feel that they, they're impactful. 
Um, one of the things we're doing, for instance, this weekend, uh, this Saturday, um, in the St. Barnabas constituency, we're working with the Urban Renewal uh, organization in that area and a number of other organizations, um, police cadets, uh, uh, many others center, uh, the crisis center, um, and we're putting on a Peace in the Park uh, event. So it starts from 10 to 3. And what we usually do at these events, we get uh, organizations which are working in the same space uh, that'll come out. Um, and so persons can come and they can speak with the crisis center if they need to speak with that. Uh, there's street legends which uh, take young men in and train them, uh, give them a skill. Uh, Royal Bahamas Police Force cadets will be there to talk about what they do. Uh, and we have many other organizations like that who will be there to talk about what they do to positively engage uh, adults. Uh, BTVI will be there to talk about their programs. Uh, but not just adults, uh, kids as well. We'll have talks on peace. Uh, we'll have uh, food uh, and activities going on there. What have you been able or... How have you been able to really um, discover the link between the level of poverty and the level of crime that we are seeing? Yeah, well, and Christian can probably speak to this as well. I mean, you go into a lot of underprivileged communities, and sometimes it's not crime on a major level, but it's crime on a much smaller level. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the driving force between a lot of these communities is that uh, the poverty is there, and the level of, and, and that's just not just something in the Bahamas. You, you look sure. globally yeah. and you see the same thing happening where uh, you go into underprivileged communities and, and there's a level of crime. Um, people, you know, are doing what they can to survive each day. Christian, what are some of the things that, that you see in your work that may be unique to our community? Or is it that we're facing what everyone else is facing? I think it's it is it is we, we are facing a lot of the same things that, that, that we can see around the world in, in various different places. But I think it's important to know and to note to 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 everybody in the Bahamas that, that right around the corner we have those same things here. Mm -hmm. uh, when we do our feeding program and, and, and some of our uh, some of our members have never well some of our prospective members have never seen that before. That's it's actually one of the conditions of joining our club is to go there and see the people that we help. It is, is eye-opening. And, and, and like, like Tim was saying, I mean, you might not see the major crime in those areas, but as little as, you know, they, someone helped them with a well, and the well is in their backyard, and they got a new pump for their, for their well, and then, you know, they go to turn on some water, which is very important in these communities, and there's nothing because, someone stole, because someone stole the pump. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it is a, it's an epidemic of... Crime. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not. It's not. Doesn't have to be murder, uh, theft. I mean, people preying on others. And and I think we have a very, very big problem in this country with people preying on others. How do we begin to address that? I mean, you talked about uh, about the 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 road to peace committee, um, but how how do you all even begin to address that? When you look, you know, you're just one organization. Yes. Yeah. And there are so many communities spread over. Not just New Providence, but even in yeah. the other islands. Correct. Yeah. Um, education, I think, is, is a one strong way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a big one. We ran a program, in uh, a pilot program in three schools, a primary school, a junior high, and a senior high, uh, a peer mediation program. And one of the things we wanted to do through that was to teach kids how to deal with conflict themselves. Um, teach kids that if you're standing on the playground and you see conflict starting, um, techniques that uh, don't get in if they're fighting, 
but uh, to try and intervene early on to try and uh, um, you know de-escalate the tension. And so we we found that that, that was productive. Um, we found that teaching kids uh, those techniques worked. Some kids even talked about going home and using it with their parents when their parents were having conflict or, or other family members were having conflict. And so I think if we, we get in and, and these schools and, and we start to, um, to bring the tension now for our kids. Um, the government started a, a food program recently. I think that's critical. Our kids can't learn properly if, if they're coming yeah, to, they, to school mm -hmm. with an empty stomach. Their, their brains don't develop properly. Mm -hmm if they don't have proper nutrition. So, you know, we, we fight this a lot of times at the, the end with the police and crime. Sure. Um, when they've but, already evolved into the crime. Exactly. Yeah. So we, if you want to, if you're, if you're a, if you go to, pass, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If you're a doctor and you go to the doctor and say, oh, I, I have this uh, pain over here, and he just gives you a painkiller, and it's not treating the underlying problem, yeah. then that pain is going to persist. You'll, and, you'll and be back with a greater problem. Exactly. Kristen, I, I know you wanted to get in on it. You know, we, we start talking about the educational component. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's, it, it is, I think it does start with education. But, but what people fail to realize, I think, and what uh, successive governments fail to realize, I believe, is that that is a problem if you fix it, you're not going to see anything. Okay, for a generation. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're not going to see it in five years. That's definitely yeah. not. Okay, no. you're no. not going to see it we in ten years. We didn't get this way in five years. No. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know. now what is the, the election cycle is five years. Yeah. People need to sit down and really, really take action at, at what the problem is, and and uh, the problem with violence, the problem with crime, and and everything that we see in our country, everything uh, 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 we see as Rotarians and and who we try to help, mm -hmm. it starts with education from the from the from the from the bottom. And 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 Tim and I were speaking in the green room. Uh, make morality cool, okay? Yeah. Make, make it a cool thing. You know, mm -hmm. someone wise said that, that um, the path to true morality is, is uh, and, and to, to being a great person or a great man is to be a dangerous man, okay? To be capable of destruction, but choose not to use that power. And, and if you make, and that's, that's the only way you can be moral, to have the, the ability to do something like that and choose not to. And I think what, what we need to say to our young men in this country is, listen, morality is cool. Mm -hmm. Being a community is cool. The Rotary Clubs of the Bahamas and, and, and my club and, and, and all the clubs in Grand Bahama and, and throughout the islands, one of the things that we have that we, that's very important to us is fellowship. Fellowship is a sense of community. When we come together, and, and, and the thing about it is you get to know people when you do a service project. We have an initiative in the Rotary Club of East Nassau called Service Saturdays. Every single Saturday, we're out there serving someone in the community or one of our members. You know, we'll go to their house and we haven't seen them in a while or maybe they're going through some hardships and we go visit with them. We'll fellowship with them. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that, that just, that, that whole sense of camaraderie that you have, that you belong to something, right? Not a gang. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but a community. Well, you know, as, well, as one of my, one exactly of my previous guests said, about. you know, we're a country of gangs. Some of them are good. Yes, <laughs> They're exactly. all bad. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. But I, I, I want to address uh, something specific again <clears throat> that we have been uncovering in these weeks. Yeah, and that is the absence of males. Yes. The male figure, um, whether it's a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a cousin, just the absence right. of males in the home and what that absence has contributed to? Um, I think that it's a, it's a complicated thing to speak about. Uh, mm -hmm. We've always had single parent homes. Of course. Um, 
those kids in those homes didn't necessarily go astray. Um, but I think now what was the dynamic that's entered the picture has been gangs that have been are replacing some of the, the, the formalized family structure. So mm -hmm. in the past, if you were in a single parent home, uh, you came home from school and Grammy or auntie or somebody was there to make sure you did what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, because of the, the way we live, Grammy and auntie and, and those kinds of persons on there to um, to provide that direction. And if you got out of hand and you needed that mail, there was uncle or granddaddy. <laughs> well, actually, I came from Telephone Bay Lutra. If, if you did something wrong, by the time Man. you get home, somebody oh, yeah. on the yeah, other yeah, side yeah, of the yeah. community is already <laughs> When you get that first cut, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yes. the last thing you say is, please don't, don't, tell, don't tell mommy and daddy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that has changed it has tremendously. Changed. I mean, you even... Sometimes, you know, you see kids misbehaving. Yes. And you think twice about even saying anything as a responsible adult. But the other thing we have to do is show persons a better way. So a lot of kids in these, uh, in, in some underprivileged communities, don't see any way out. They, all they see is what they see every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched a documentary on the, the, the weekend about a rowing club um, mm -hmm. in Chicago. Um, and these kids in this high school, it's the most violent uh, neighborhood in, in Chicago on the west side. And they come in and they form a, 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 a rowing club. Mm -hmm. And they take these kids out and, and the, the, the guy who the documentary is about said, you know, in my life I'd never been out on the water or surrounded by grass. Somewhere it was, peaceful. It was so peaceful He talked about just the peace yeah, of it. Said, yeah. I wasn't hearing gunshots. I wasn't or hearing sirens. people yeah. screaming. Mm -hmm. the I've he seen said, the same piece. And that really just appealed to me. And, so, and, appeal to him and some of his friends. So and, and what do we do now? I know that you are a part of an organization um, that is doing its part, that right. is helping, that is attempting to break the cycle and do so many things, whether it be mm -hmm. just in helping or in educating or mm -hmm. conflict resolution or so many things that you're doing or just the fellowship. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. All of those things are so important. But as we look at it now from a, a wider community um, mm -hmm. and what we need to do as a community, um, you know, where do we need to start moving? And those who are not involved in the Rotary or Red right. Cross or other organizations, those people who are not out there, what is what is our role? What is our responsibility? Because you all are doing it. Yes. I mean, it, it's each one, teach one, right? So we all reached out. Right, yeah. If the good people in this country reach out and say, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, deal with a child every Saturday. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to show them uh, some positivity a child who otherwise might be going in the wrong direction. Um, I think that's a start. Um, we it's might, a start. We, yeah, we might not start save all of them, but if you can save, start saving, you know, one by one by one, uh, then it's going to add up. So we we need to do that. We need to make sure that that kids have yeah. what they want. Um, as I said, we we have the peer mediation program. We're hoping to get the government to implement that in, in schools. Um, we have a program that we're um, piloting now uh, in one of the uh, young person's homes uh, called PACT. Uh, we adopted it from a Rotary Club in Canada. They get kids who have entered the system, the, the legal system. Um, if it's their first offense, they get a suspended sentence. They're sent into this program where they're given a life coach who coaches them for 12 months. They're, nice. they're taught a skill, so they find out, well, what is it you like doing? If you like uh, to fish, we're going to try and find you a a job fishing. If you like computers, we're going to try and find you a job yeah. there. And after 12 months, they take them back into court um, to find out, um, has this young person turned their life around? And there's a very high percentage of the young people who haven't been shown a more positive way 
actually follow that path. And so we're hoping that, that uh, uh, we can bring that here on a wider scale to this country. As I say, it's being piloted right Excellent. now. Excellent. And we're looking forward to that. Christian, well, you got the last word. I mean, you know, I uh, agree with what, what uh, Tim is saying. I mean, a lot of people look at this problem like it's a massive, insurmountable problem. But, but the old saying goes, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Um, mm -hmm. even, if you, even if you save one. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Even if you say, well, I, I think to show them um, and to show the kids and the youth in this country that there is a better way. And, and it's, it's, it's not only a better way, but it's a, it's a fulfilling way, a more fulfilling way to, uh, to think about your community as a collective that you're a part of rather than just you. You have a stake. Yes. You, have you have a stake. A stake. This is yours. And, exactly. and it's nothing like yeah. ownership when you feel like you yeah. are a part of this you know, you, you have some say-so. And I think for a lot of our yeah. young people, they just feel like they don't. Yeah, they don't see a future. They don't see a future at all in front of them. The, the, the friends and the far close family that they have around them are living that life until yeah. they just slip right into it. So, so we have to show a different way. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. I appreciate you, you and appreciate Drew. the work that you do. It's been a pleasure having both of you. We look forward to more great initiatives from Rotary. Our guest stories and insights underscore a critical message. Tackling crime and building stronger communities is a responsibility that falls on all of our shoulders. It's about empowering people and tackling the root causes of crime, including poverty, lack of education, and of course, unemployment. So as we reflect on tonight's conversations, let's challenge ourselves to think about what role we can play in making our communities safer and more welcoming. Whether it's through volunteering, supporting local charities, or simply being there for our neighbors, every action counts. I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our guests for joining us tonight and for all the remarkable work that they do. Your dedication to making a difference is truly inspiring. And to our viewers, thank you for tuning in together. We can create a ripple effect of positive change that transforms our communities. Once again, I'm your host, Jerome Sawyer. We'll see you next time on The Rep.